Hello, this is R.J. Deacon reading the Supreme Court of the United States opinion in National Federation of Independent Business versus Department of Labor, Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Um, there is no um, uh, syllabus, but we're just going to read it because it's an important case. Um, so this is on application for stays, January 13th, 2022. If you'd like to support the podcast, please stay tuned to the end of the podcast. This was a per curiam opinion. The Secretary of Labor, acting through the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, recently enacted a vaccine mandate for much of the nation's workforce. The mandate, which employers must enforce, applies to roughly 84 million workers, covering virtually all employers with at least 100 employees. It requires that covered workers receive a COVID-19 vaccine, and it preempts contrary state laws. The only exception is for workers who obtain a medical test each week at their own expense and on their own time, and also wear a mask each workday. OSHA has never before imposed such a mandate, nor has Congress. Indeed, although Congress has enacted significant legislation addressing the COVID-19 pandemic, it has declined to enact any measure similar to what OSHA has promulgated here. Many states, businesses, and nonprofit organizations challenged OSHA's rule in courts of appeals across the country. The Fifth Circuit initially entered a stay, but when the cases were consolidated before the Sixth Circuit, that court lifted the stay and allowed OSHA's rule to take effect. Applicants now seek emergency relief from this court, arguing that OSHA's mandate exceeds its statutory authority and is otherwise unlawful. Agreeing that applicants are likely to prevail, we grant their applications and stay the rule. So this is a 1A. Congress enacted the Occupational Safety and Health Act in 1970, uh, 29 U.S.C. Section 651 at, at SEC. The act created the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, OSHA, which is part of the Department of Labor and under the supervision of its secretary. As its name suggests, OSHA is tasked with ensuring occupational safety, that is, safe and healthful working conditions. That's uh, Section 651B. It does so by enforcing occupational safety and health standards promulgated by the Secretary. Section 655B. Such standards must be reasonably necessary or appropriate to provide safe or healthful employment. Section 652.8. They also must be developed using a rigorous process that includes notice, comment, and an opportunity for a public hearing, Section 655B. The Act contains an exception to those ordinary notice and comment procedures for emergency temporary standards, Section 655C1. Such standards may take immediate effect upon publication in the Federal Register. They are permissible, however, only in the narrowest of circumstances. The Secretary must show, one, that employees are exposed to grave danger from exposure to substances or agents determined to be toxic or physically harmful, or from new hazards, and two, that the emergency standard is necessary to protect employees from such danger. Prior to the emergence of COVID-19, the Secretary had used this power just nine times before, and never to issue a rule as broad as this one. Of those nine emergency rules, Six were challenged in court, 
and only one of those was upheld in full. See uh, BST Holdings LLC versus Occupational Safe and Health Health Administration. Uh, And now we're on to B. On September 9th, 2021, President Biden announced a new plan to require more Americans to be vaccinated. Remarks on the COVID-19 response in national vaccination efforts, 2021 daily composition of uh, presidential documents, I'm assuming. As part of that plan, the president said that the Department of Labor would issue an emergency rule requiring all employers with at least 100 employees to ensure that their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week. The purpose of the rule was to increase vaccination rates at businesses all across America. In tandem with other planned regulations, the administration's goal was to impose uh, impose vaccine requirements on about 100 million Americans, two-thirds of all workers. After a two-month delay, the Secretary of Labor issued the promised emergency standard, that was in uh, 86 Federal Register 61402. Consistent with President Biden's announcement, the rule applies to all who work for employers with 100 or more employees. There are narrow exemptions for employees who work remotely, 100% of the time, or who work exclusively outdoors, but those exemptions are largely illusory. The Secretary has estimated, for example, that only 9% of landscapers and groundskeepers qualify as working exclusively outside. Um, That's uh, Federal Register at 61461. The regulation otherwise operates as a blunt instrument. It draws no distinctions based on industry or risk of exposure to COVID-19. Thus, most lifeguards and linemen face the same regulations as do medics and meatpackers. OSHA estimates that 84.2 million employees are subject to its mandate. Federal Register at 61467. Covered employers must develop, implement, and enforce a mandatory COVID-19 vaccination policy. At uh, 61402. The employer must, must verify the vaccination status of each employee and maintain proof of it at 61552. The mandate does contain an exception for employers that require unvaccinated workers to undergo weekly COVID-19 testing and wear a face covering at work in lieu of vaccination. That's uh, register at 61402. But employers are not required to offer this option, and the emergency regulation purports to preempt state laws to the contrary. That's uh, 61437. Unvaccinated employees who do not comply with OSHA's rule must be removed from the workplace. That's at 61532. And employers who commit violations face hefty fines, up to $13,653 for a standard violation, and up to $136,532 for a willful one. That's uh, 29 CFR section 1903.15D. We're on to C. OSHA published its vaccine mandate on November 5th, 2021. Scores of parties, including states, businesses, trade groups, and nonprofit organizations, 
filed petitions for review, with at least one petition arriving in each regional court of appeals. The cases were consolidated in the Sixth Circuit, which was selected at random pursuant to 28 U.S.C. Section 2112A. Prior to consolidation, however, the Fifth Circuit stayed OSHA's rule, pending further judicial review. It's a BST Holdings. It held that the mandate likely exceeded OSHA's statutory authority, raised separation of powers concerns in the absence of a clear delegation from Congress, and was not properly tailored to the risks facing different types of workers and workplaces. When the consolidated cases arrived at the Sixth Circuit, two things happened. First, many of the petitioners, nearly 60 in all, requested initial hearing in bank. Second, OSHA asked the Court of Appeals to vacate the Fifth Circuit's existing stay. The Sixth Circuit denied the request for initial hearing in bank by an evidently divided 8-8 vote, or sorry, evenly divided 8-8 vote. Chief Judge Sutton dissented, joined by seven of his colleagues. He reasoned that the Secretary's broadest assertions of administrative power demand unmistakable legislative support, which he found lacking. A three-judge panel then dissolved the Fifth Circuit's stay, holding that OSHA's mandate was likely consistent with the agency's statutory and constitutional authority. See and re MCP number 165. Judge Larson dissented. Various parties then filed applications in this court requesting that we stay OSHA's emergency standard. We consolidated two of these applications, one from the National Federation of Independent Business and one from a coalition of states, and heard expedited argument on January 7th, 2022. Um, now we're on to Section 2. The Sixth Circuit concluded that a stay of the rule was not justified. We disagree. A. Applicants are likely to succeed on the merits of their claim that the Secretary lacked the authority to impose the mandate. Administrative agencies are creatures of statute. They, accordingly, possess only the authority that Congress has provided. The Secretary has ordered 84 million Americans to either obtain a COVID-19 vaccine or undergo weekly medical testing at their own expense. This is no everyday exercise of federal power. Um, see uh, Sutton's dissent in MCP 165. It is instead a significant encroachment into the lives and health of a vast number of employees. We expect Congress to speak clearly when authorizing an agency to exercise powers of vast economic and political significance. It's uh, Alabama Association of Realtors versus Department of Health and Human Services. There can be little doubt that OSHA's mandate qualifies as an exercise of such authority. The question then is whether the act plainly authorizes the secretary's mandate. It does not. The Act empowers the Secretary to set workplace safety standards, not broad public health measures. See 29 U.S.C. Section 655B, directing the Secretary to set occupational safety and health standards. Um, and occupational was emphasized there. Uh, Section 655C1, authoring authorizing the secretary to impose emergency temporary standards necessary to protect employees 
in quote there, from grave danger in the workplace. Confirming the point, the Act's provisions typically speak to hazards that employees face at work. See, for example, sections 651, 653, and 657. And no provision of the Act addresses public health more generally, which falls outside of OSHA's sphere of expertise. The dissent protests that we are imposing a limited a limit found no place in the governing statute. Statute. Um, it's a post at uh, seven joint opinion of Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan. Not so. It is the text of the agency's Organic Act that repeatedly makes clear that OSHA is charged with regulating occupational hazards in the safety and health of employees. See, for example, 29 U.S.C. sections 652.8, 654A2, and 655B and C. The Solicitor General does not dispute that OSHA is limiting, limited to regulating work-related dangers. Response brief for OSHA. Uh, she instead argues that the risk of contracting COVID-19 qualifies as such a danger. We cannot agree. Although COVID-19 is a risk that occurs in many workplaces, it is not an occupational hazard in most. COVID-19 can and does spread at home, in schools, during sporting events, and everywhere else that people gather. That kind of universal risk is no different from the day-to-day -day dangers that all face from crime, air pollution, or any number of communicable diseases. Permitting OSHA to regulate the hazards of daily life simply because most Americans have jobs and face the same risks while on the clock would significantly expand OSHA's regulatory authority without clear congressional authorization. The dissent contends that OSHA's mandate is comparable to a fire or sanitation regulation imposed by the agency. But a vaccine mandate is strikingly unlike the workplace regulations that OSHA has typically imposed. A vaccination, after all, cannot be undone at the end of the workday. Um, that's from Chief Judge Sutton's dissent. Contrary to the dissent's contention, imposing a vaccine mandate on 84 million Americans in response to a worldwide pandemic is simply not part of what the agency was built for. That is not to say OSHA lacks authority to regulate occupation-specific re risks related to COVID-19, where the virus poses a special danger because of the particular features of an employee's job or workplace. Targeted regulations are plainly permissible. We do not doubt, for example, that OSHA could regulate researchers who work with the COVID-19 virus. So too could OSHA regulate risks associated with working in particularly crowded or cramped environments. But the danger present in such workplaces differs in both degree and kind from the everyday risk of contracting COVID-19 that all face. OSHA's indiscriminate approach fails to account for this crucial distinction between occupational risk and risk more generally. And accordingly, the mandate takes on the character of a general public health measure rather than an occupational safety or health standard. That's 29 U.S.C. Section 655B. 
In looking for legislative support for the vaccine mandate, the dissent turns to the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021. It's Public Law 117-2. That legislation, signed into law on March 11, 2021, of course said nothing about OSHA's vaccine mandate, which was not announced until six months later. In fact, the most noteworthy action concerning the vaccine mandate by either House of Congress has been a majority vote of the Senate disapproving the regulation on December 8th, 2021. That's uh, SJ resolution number 29. It is telling that OSHA, in its half century of existence, has never before adopted a broad public health regulation of this kind, addressing a threat that is untethered in any causal sense from the workplace. This lack of historical precedent coupled with the breadth of authority that the secretary now claims, is a telling indication that the mandate extends beyond the agency's legitimate reach. So, Free Enterprise Fund versus Public Accounting Oversight Board. The equities do not justify withholding interim relief. We are told by the states and the employers that OSHA's mandate will force them to incur billions of dollars in unrecoverable compliance costs and will cause hundreds of thousands of employees to leave their jobs. And then it lists some applications um, for stay and says, see also 86 Federal Register 61475. For its part, the federal government says that the mandate will save over 6,500 lives and prevent hundreds of thousands of hospitalizations. It's OSHA response 83, see also 86 Federal Register 61408. It is not our role to weigh such trade-offs. In our system of government, that is the responsibility of those chosen by the people through democratic processes. Although Congress has indisputably given OSHA the power to regulate occupational dangers, it has not given that agency the power to regulate public health more broadly. Requiring the vaccination of 84 million Americans, selected simply because they work for employers with more than 100 employees, certainly falls in the latter category. The applications for stays presented to Justice Kavanaugh and by him referred to the court are granted. OSHA's COVID-19 vaccination and testing emergency temporary standard, found at 86 Federal Register 61402, is stayed, pending disposition of the applicants' petition for review in the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit. And disposition of the applicant's petitions for writs of certiorari, if such writs are timely sought. Should the petitions for writs of certiorari be denied, this order shall terminate automatically. In the event the petitions for writs of certiorari are granted, the order shall terminate upon the sending down of the judgment of this court. It is so ordered. And again, that was a uh, per curiam, though uh, if you check the dissents, you can probably do the math. So if you'd like to support me or the podcast, you can find a PayPal link in the show notes. You can find me on Patreon. Contact me at roadsscholar80 at gmail.com. That's R-O-A-D-S, like the truck driving roads, and uh, eight zero the number. And I have uh, other uh, cash transfer apps if you'd like to support. Thanks for listening.